Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at ComparedToWho.me, and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, I'm Heather Creekmore. You're listening to the Compared to Who podcast on the Edify Podcast Network. I'm glad you're listening today. Today, my guest is Stephanie Roussel, and she is from Gospel Spice, and she is here to help us make another resolution that is going to be so much more impactful for our 2022 and beyond than any weight loss resolution ever could. So Stephanie, welcome to the show. Hi, Heather. So good to be with you today. Well, let me tell everyone just a little bit about you, and then I'll let you fill in the blanks. Stephanie was born and raised in France. She's lived all over for the last two decades, including living on three continents, four countries, and five cities. <laughs> she's the head of the Gospel Spice Ministries team, which is made up of seven women. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's a podcaster. She's a public speaker. She's a Bible teacher, and she's a former women's ministry director and strategy consultant. And as you may have been able to tell by my feeble attempt at pronouncing her last name, she is 100% French. So Stephanie, okay, so let's, let's start with something more casual. So I actually took college French, like I made it to French too, like I was decent, but you I went to probably France. probably were more than decent because you said my name absolutely perfectly. <laughs> to France in my twenties and would try to speak well. And people would answer me back in English. <laughs> it was very yeah, depressing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's a common experience. I don't think it's you. I think, um, the French probably saw it as an opportunity to practice their English mm. as much as you, your French. So don't take it personally. I think it's a, it's a common thing. I think the French just kind of enjoy the opportunity to practice English. And so you were just a, that golden chance for them. So Thank you. You have made me feel so much better. I, I was just always so self-conscious. No, I promise <laughs> it, it was not you. And I, I'm pretty sure their English was probably even more broken than your French. Oh, friend. I don't know. <laughs> no, some of them were just like, so you want water, right? Or so you want to know where the bathroom is, right? <laughs> well, right. I mean, I guess that is important that you don't want them to give you water if you're looking for the bathroom or this vice is, versa. Right. So uh, clarity is always a good idea. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I'm glad to have you on today. And I'm really glad that you are the one that is going to help us make this resolution to get in the word, because I know there's someone listening or watching today that may try to make this resolution every year. And I want to be sensitive to that, right? Like this is not a, oh, you failed. Oh, there's shame for not being able to be in the word regularly in the past. None of that, right? There's no shame. It's, this is your year, right? This is 
yeah, maybe you haven't been able to do it in the past, but now is a great time to start. And Stephanie, you have a ministry that is called Gospel Spice, and that just has to sound fascinating to anyone who's never heard of it. And you have a podcast called Gospel Spice. Tell us about your passion and maybe your background too, like what led you here for making the gospel taste good? Is that, is that a good way to say it? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, our ministry verses taste and see that the Lord is good. And it is largely through the time we spend in scripture. So uh, I think it's very appropriate uh, that I would have the privilege to talk about uh, falling in love with the Bible, because I think it's exactly what Gospel Spice is all about. Actually, our entire ministry is based around the concept of um, coming alongside people who may have experienced a measure of staleness in their relationship with God and specifically in their time in the Bible. So if you've ever felt like the Bible tasted dry as, you know, sandpaper or that it should be tasty and flavorful, but it's completely dry, it doesn't help. It's like chewing, you know, uh, sand, then that's what we are here to do, because I think we've all experienced that. Uh, And there's nothing worse than stale spices. I was talking with a friend one year, one day, and she was telling me how she had been rummaging in her spice cabinet and she found this jar of cumin and she sprinkled it on her dinner. And she was kind of surprised that it didn't do much for the dinner itself. And then she noticed it had expired like 10 years ago, right? (laughs) And so we all have those spice jars in our cabinets that expired, you know, when the 1900s were still around probably. (laughs) So, so many. Well, I just helped my parents clean out their home and the number of expired spices I had to throw Mm -hmm. away. Oh yeah. Well, Here's the thing. I think, you know, the, the people who sell us the spices, they also, from a, you know, a marketing perspective, they put an expiration date that is way earlier than needs to be. Mm. So I think some spices that expired six months or a year ago, especially if it's an unopened jar, I suspect would still be very flavorful. But my point here is that sometimes we're going to treat the Bible like it expired in the 1900s. And then we wonder why it's so stale. And so, um, I think that's the passion that we have is to, to help people experience brand new, fresh spices without having to go to the store and buy a new Bible or even reinvent your faith. But in like, oh my goodness, this really is what scripture is all about. And so, because I think it, it really is the foundation of our relationship with God, because God has given us what a lot of people call a love letter. And it's, you know, we are to to read it and to experience it. So I think the, the secret with the spices, again, is that it's one thing to have the spice jar in your cabinet. It's another to actually pull it out and use it. Mm. Because um, my husband, we joke that my husband, when he gets sick, I like I give him all sorts of medicine, but he doesn't take it. He actually like looks at it. He leaves <laughs> it on his nightstand, but he doesn't actually take it. And we joke that, you know, it's really nice to have the medicine, but if you don't take it, you know, mm. it's it's not going to do much for you. And so mm-hmm. it is with the Bible. And the Bible is way more than medicine. It's way more than spices. So having it in your spice cabinet is a good thing, unexpired, you know, and current. But but to to actually pull it out and actually sp- sprinkle it, flavor everything in your life with it is going to make a difference. And so... Yeah. Uh, that's that's gospel spice for you. And uh, that's the reason behind that is that I came to faith as a foreign exchange student when I was 17. And I grew up atheist. So I was in France, I was a very strong atheist. And I came to faith in the US my senior year of high school, through an American family who were deeply in love with Jesus. And one of the things they did was introduce me to the Bible to scripture and to and made me fall in love with it. And I 
I've always then afterwards had this bit of an apologetic stance when I love to dig into theology, into scripture, um, in order to to discover what God is really telling us. And so um, that passion has transpired over decades through teaching scripture. And then we've been in the U.S. for about six years now, having lived overseas most of our lives. And I realized when I moved back stateside that a lot of uh, beautiful, delightful, wonderful American Christians might actually be content with this measure of staleness in their relationship mm-hmm. with God. And that was a bit of a new experience for me because I had always previously lived in cultures where your faith comes at a cost, like mm-hmm. where there's a measure of persecution, maybe not torture or anything, but like in France, obviously people are frowned upon and ridiculed for being Christian. It's a very atheist culture and it's growing in the States, right? I mean, it's coming mm-hmm. your way, people, but, right. you know, and, and, and increasingly so, but um, definitely way more than when I came to the U.S. 30 years ago, where I was in this Christian bubble of people who were truly, truly followers of Jesus. And now I'm coming back as an adult to live here, kind of expecting a similar experience flavor-wise, expecting Mm -hmm. that same spice mix of of true uh, devotion and dedication to the Lord. And instead, I find myself in an environment where a lot of people are religious and and definitely Mm -hmm. believers, but not fully on fire for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's like they are eating stale spices and then kind of wondering why it's not working for them. And so Mm -hmm. that developed in me and in our team a passion to come alongside American Christians because they are at the root of my salvation. I mean, they're the ones that God used. Mm -hmm. He could have used anyone, anything, anytime, but he used um, true American believers in order to reach me. And therefore I have this debt of gratitude to uh, American Christians today. And that's why I love nothing more than to sprinkle your life with a dash of spice. Yeah, I love that. There was so much there I want to go into. I mean, the, the first thing that I was just thinking about, the reality is thinking about a Netflix series or maybe you're into reading and you get really hooked on a book. Like what makes you Mm want to go back and watch the next episode or read the next chapter or read the sequel, right? It's because of some degree of spice, right? It tastes good or you enjoy it, you know, just like, I mean, no one's like, well, I don't know, maybe someone is, but rice cakes do not taste good. (laughs) So like, I'm not sitting here like dreaming of going to grab a rice cake after our interview is over. Right. But if there was some like really delicious food, something spicy and engaging for the taste buds, yeah, you want to go back for more. You can't wait to have that again, or, you know, or try something similar to it. Right. And I love the way you are integrating that analogy with reading the Bible, because you're right. If the Bible's rice cakes or, or, you know, bread from two months ago, however, (laughs) if you were hungry enough, rice cakes would actually taste delicious. And so I think that's true. Part of the problem is that we are so used to being entertained um, Mm. over the top by Netflix and others that the Bible by comparison can seem like a rice cake Mm. when actually it's a measure of how hungry you are, because if you're Mm. desperately hungry, uh, then the Bible is going to taste good. Not because the Bible is a rice cake, but because your body is telling you, this is what you really need. And I think spiritually speaking, it's detoxing ourselves from the fake Mm. sugars of the entertainment culture in order to learn the true flavors that can be found in in real food and i agree with you you know rice cakes are a bit on the stale side of things (laughs) but but they will nourish us and you Mm -hmm. can sprinkle a little bit of spice on your rice cake and it's gonna be good (laughs) 
This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. I think it's both both the idea of identifying where we find our addiction to entertainment, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. to take your examples. And part of it is a measure of detoxing from the fake sugars of the entertainment culture, Mm. Uh, but not completely. I mean, I, I watch series and I love them too, but it's just having them in their proper place. And then also realizing that we want to develop our spiritual hunger, not for the toxic things, but for the healthy things, namely the Bible. And maybe it requires discipline, but I think you and I both know, Heather, that it, there's one thing that is way more powerful than discipline, and it's delight. So my, my challenge would yeah. be, don't read your Bible out of discipline, but mm-hmm. out of delight. Mm-hmm. Imagine a scenario where you are a military spouse and your husband is deployed uh, in some dangerous place across the world. If you receive a letter from him or an email, you're going to, you're not, I mean, you're going to be devouring it, right? You mm-hmm. cannot wait for news. Now, right. if the letter is mailed to the wrong person and you receive someone else's letter, mm-hmm. you might open it. It might be interesting to you to read the news of this, this person across the world, but you have no personal connection to them. So mm-hmm. it won't be as fascinating to you as the news from your loved one. Mm-hmm. So, so it is with the Bible, because when we're reading it, are we reading a letter by a loved one to us personally, mm-hmm. or are we reading someone else's letter? Does it feel personal? Is it really written mm-hmm. for us? And if it is, then there should be a passion and a hunger to devour it as if it were news from your loved one who's halfway across the world. And if we don't have that level of delight in scripture, then I think that's really exciting news because that means we can develop that hunger and that delight. And if we are in a place where the Bible is not completely enthralling and addicting to us, then that can be a very exciting place to start a journey of becoming absolutely addicted to scripture. Mm. Addicted to scripture. Now I know someone is listening today thinking, yeah, I should probably do that. (laughs) There's a lot of things I'm addicted to, but how, how do I get addicted to scripture? It's one thing to hear that that's possible, but I've tried to read my Bible and I don't get addicted. Stephanie, what do you say to this person? That's the million dollar question. And, um, I would say, if I could just reframe that a little bit, I would say the first thing is to identify that it's possible to be addicted Mm -hmm. to scripture. And I'm living proof that it is because again, I was atheist, had no desire, did not grow up in the church. And now I I can promise you, and that's not because I'm, you know, holier than anyone or I'm more spiritual or anything. It really is by the grace of God. And so if God could make me fall in love with his word so much that it truly is the highlight of my day, he can do it for you because there's nothing special about me. The only thing um, is that I came to that same realization that the Bible um, is not the desire of my heart the way I want it to be. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And then to realize it is possible to make it truly the desire of your heart. So that's really good news because it is possible. So maybe you didn't even know it was possible, but it is. And then also 
the next step is to realize, you know, honestly, you're not going to be able to make it happen on your own strength. Mm. It is not something any of us can do any more than we can bring flavor out of a stale spice jar. If it expired 20 years ago, no matter how much of it you sprinkle on your food, there's just nothing you're going to be able to do in order to bring out the flavors. But what you can do is ask God to make that happen for you. So the secret to me, the secret ingredient to an addiction to scripture is surrender to God and telling him, you know what? I want to love your word more than anything. I'm not there. I give up trying to do this on my own strength. And I ask you, Lord, to please make this happen. Yeah. And if that's the prayer of your heart, of not a prayer of saying, God, give me strength to love your word, but God, I don't have strength. I'm, I'm done trying. So the first thing is to stop trying and yeah. then to say, Lord, you're going to have to make this happen through me because I, I can't. I've tried everything year after year after year. I've tried reading the Bible and it's not making sense to me. Mm -hmm. Would you please make it make sense? And you know, God, I, I, I've never not seen him answer that prayer in people's lives yeah. because that is what he wants. And God is, delights to give us good things. And so when we ask him to delight in him, he always answers that prayer. Mm -hmm. Now he's not going to answer it in 30 seconds. <laughs> it might take days and weeks and months of work inside of your heart in order to peel back all of the layers that are preventing you from delighting in his word. So I know for me, there's a lot of work he does in my heart and it's ugly. It's like um, when you have work done in your house and there can be construction <laughs> and there can be, you know, un unseemly noises that happen and that <laughs> prevent you from actually doing what you want to be doing. But at the end of the day, what it's doing is that it's peeling back all the junk. It's unpleasant. It's painful. It's like detoxing from addiction. It's very unpleasant. But once you've done that, then you can enter into the fullness of what he has for you. So give it time. Don't give up. I think that's the discipline is not in the... Um, the, the discipline is not in the, oh, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to grind mm -hmm. my teeth and, you know, make it happen. But the discipline is in persevering in the faith, in the trust, in the belief that God is going to work so that it does happen. And there's going to be a day, it could be a week, it could be a month, it could be six months down the road where you're going to be reading your Bible and all of a sudden, it's going to taste like nothing you've ever tasted. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is going to whisper in your ear. Those, those words are going to jump off the page and you're going to know. You're going to know in the deepest parts of your being that those words were written in God's spirit before the foundation of time so that you would read them at this very moment and they're going to be life to you. And that's going to start happening, not always, not all the time, but those little bite, um, taste bites of heaven, they're going to start coming, not because you're a better person, not because you figured out life, not because all of a sudden you're spiritual and you've checked all the boxes and you have all your ducks in a row, but because you have allowed God to come in and do his thing in you. Yeah. So yeah. that'd be my, I, I love that. Well, that. and and I need to speak personally to the things in the way, peeling back the layers part, because I was raised in a Christian home. So we have kind of opposite stories. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had a lot of scripture memorized through high school. Well, really elementary school on because little things in Sunday school, you get a piece of candy if you know a scripture or, you know, in high school I had, I was at a Christian school. So Bible class in order to pass, I had to know my memory verse every week, that kind of thing. So I had a lot of scripture memorized but the Bible was stale for me for a really yeah. long time as I pursued my number one purpose, 
which was having a better body. Now, I don't think anyone at the time would have assessed my life like that. I wouldn't have assessed my life like that. I would have told you, yeah, I'm a good Christian. Yeah, I know the Bible because I have all these verses memorized, but I wasn't in the word regularly. Now, during times where I was hurting, periods of depression, frustration, disappointment. Oh yeah. Then I was in the Psalms, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. But but really, aside from that, unless it was mandatory for the Bible study I was participating in, I wasn't in the word alone. But when God showed me that I had a body mangital, and when mm-hmm. he finally did the work in my heart to let that go for me to remove it, the Bible completely changed for me. And that's when I started and I read the Bible the whole way through every year and enjoy it. You know, I mean, really like before I would have been like to read the whole Bible in a year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. You know, it's going to get pretty dry in the old Testament prophets. Yikes, Bill. Who wants to have to read through numbers and Leviticus and right. But it has changed so much, Stephanie. And the funny thing I was talking to a client about this the other day, I, you know, my problem was idolatry. As I thought about like the Bible and reading the Bible and, you know, just even Bible studies in the past, like aside from idolatry being in like Deuteronomy, like thou shalt have no other idols before, no other gods before you. Like, I don't think I ever saw the word idolatry in my Bible. And now what's so crazy is like almost every single day I am in some chapter somewhere where there's talk of idolatry, where God's talking about idolatry. And I'm like, how did I miss all this for 30 years of my life. And it's mm-hmm. so crazy how God can open your eyes to see things that you've not seen before. And when he removes some of those blocks, how much richer it can be. So mm-hmm. I totally am a, a testament to, uh, to that, but yeah. I think, you know, uh, for many of us, we're just, uh, what you were describing is uh, for many of us, we're just content to glide through life mm-hmm. and make right. the Bible a bit of a crutch once in a while. Right. And, and, and that's okay. It's just, we're missing out when we do that. And I think for many of us, it takes a season of desperation or of revelation of some sort in order to start taking the Bible, uh, not even more seriously, but more delightfully. Right. And again, it's the, that notion of delight is if you do not seek delight in the Bible, you're not going to find it. It's an intentional quest. The, the quest is not to check the box of having read your Bible today. The, che- mm-hmm. the, the, uh, the quest is to check the box of I have delighted in my Bible mm-hmm. today. I have mm-hmm. delighted in the Lord. And oftentimes, uh, for example, I think worship songs can be a good entry into Bible reading because I think for many of us, it's easier to feel a connection to our God through worship, through singing, whether it is at home on your own or and playing, you know, worship music or on Sundays at church. And so maybe that's how you start um, mm-hmm. building up that delight in the Bible is by having worship songs and then realizing that a lot of those worship songs are actually word from the Psalms by mm-hmm. and large, right? So right. even contemporary Christian music, uh, those amazing Christian artists, they really obviously do like David and they take things from the Bible. So when you realize that maybe some of your favorite worship songs are actually straight from the Psalms, that might help you go to the Psalms and almost hum them back to the Lord, even mm-hmm. to the tune of that worship music you like, or, you know, it's going to be glimpses of that. Uh, the Psalms is a great place to start because it's a little less dry than some of the other places. Mm-hmm. But 
the, the challenge, I think, is to get to a place where it does not matter what passage of scripture you mm -hmm. read, you can see God speaking to you through this. Right. And also, I think a lot of people go to the Bible waiting for God to talk to them about themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's not always going to be the case. Mm -hmm. There's a lot about the Bible that God uses to teach us about ourselves. But ultimately, the Bible is not about a book about you and me. It's a book about him. Right. It's a book about the relationship that he is seeking to develop with him. It's not an encyclopedia on understanding God, because you can read the Bible and you can be the deepest of theologians and still barely scratch the surface of who God is because we are finite and he's not. But ultimately, it's a book about who he is and what he has done for us primarily. And then secondarily, it's a book about who we are in his eyes and then what he calls us to do in his name. So if you go there for a to-do list or for a, an, an explanation of how to live your life, it's going to help you some, but I could see that it would leave you frustrated because that's not really the purpose of the book. It's mm -hmm. kind of like uh, one year, my daughter, when she was in elementary school, she had a science research project where she had to discover something about the diet of dolphins. Okay. Well, if we had gone to the Bible to discover <laughs> about the diet of dolphins, I think we would have been disappointed because that's not the purpose, right? I mean, I don't right. think the word dolphin is even mentioned in scripture. Um, so Leviathan, you know, like, maybe, but what? Leviathan, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Dolphins. Yeah. But it's like, okay, it's not there because the Bible is not going to tell you about the diet of dolphins. And that's okay because it's the Bible has other purposes. So if you go there for the wrong purpose, it's not, it's going to be dry and disappointing. But if you go there to discover who God is, first of all, uh, then there's no way you can be disappointed with mm -hmm. that because you're going to have the Holy Spirit himself as your guide. And that's enthralling. So yeah, go to that. the Bible in order to fall in love with your God. Don't yeah. go to the Bible in order to discover who you are. That right. will be a side effect. It's going to happen and it's mm -hmm. going to show uh, not just the good parts about you. At least that's what it does for me. <laughs> it shows me a lot of the darkness in my own heart. And it's not pleasant most of the time when, it, when, when the Holy Spirit does that. It's not pleasant, but it's absolutely necessary. Mm -hmm. And it's what makes uh, my experience with my Lord so enthralling. Yeah, it's it's a love that. letter, you know, again, back to that idea of this military spouse waiting for a letter from the front, um, that letter, she's going to read it, not because it tells her about her, because it, but because it tells her about him. Mm -hmm. yeah. Because and she's going to read it more than movie. once. <laughs> oh, she's going to memorize it. Yeah, she's going to yeah. share it with her friends. And yeah. because it tells her how he's doing, what he's mm -hmm. going through, it's allowing her to be reminded of his love for her. But it's primarily a letter where he's going to give news of himself and how he's doing and how much he loves her. Mm. That's what she wants. Because if mm -hmm. it was a letter that told her only about her or the weather or whatever, <laughs> it would not be nearly as interesting. That's not what she wants those news for. And so, right. so it is with the Lord. He's giving us news of him. Heather here is the compared to who show blessing you. Well, then there's nothing nicer you could do for us than to leave us your five-star review. Leave a review on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your shows. Not sure how to do it? Go to compared to who.me slash podcast. Scroll to the bottom of the screen and you'll find out all the information on how to leave a review. 
Thank you so much for considering supporting the show in this way. And hey, while you're at comparedtowho.me, take the free body image awareness quiz, download the free walk to lose the weight of comparison walking workout, or check out any of the hundreds of articles available on the site to encourage you in your journey with body image and comparison. Thanks for listening. Check it all out right after this episode, of course. Yeah, I love that. I just kind of thinking through that analogy, but if he wrote a letter saying, you know, you're so beautiful and you're, you know, this is what your hair looks like. And this is what, you know, uh, this is what you do. You know, that's so interesting or whatever. Like there, there would be something missing. She'd be like, no, I and actually that, want to know how you are. Right. <laughs> right? And, and that's good. You know, that reinforces uh, the concept of his love for his love, her sure. and how much he misses her. And I mean, right. and the Bible again, tells us a lot about us, but again, right. through the eyes of God, because if she, uh, if she received a letter from her husband saying, well, this is what my paths say about you. Now that would be terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, right? My friends, my you know, are saying that you are beautiful. They're saying that you know that would be terrible. I like, love your picture, a, yeah. right? Yeah. Wouldn't that be terrible? So, the reason why she even delights in his description of her, it's because it's his mm. description of her. Yeah, that's good. Not someone else's, that's because good. she has that intimacy with him. Because he knows her and he waits for her. He longs for her. And so that's, again, I think that analogy, and no wonder that, you know, uh, the Bible, one of the key illustrations in the Bible is that God describes Christ as the bridegroom and we are mm -hmm. the bride because there is that marriage comparison of intimacy, of knowing each other at a deep level and getting to know each other throughout eternity. I mean, I've been married 23 years and uh, I'm still getting to know my husband and vice versa. So it's, it's an ongoing process. And so it is with the Lord. We're never done getting to know him. And that's actually... Honestly, Heather, isn't that just the best thing in the world? We're never done getting to know God more. That's a beautiful thing. It's a, it's almost too big for my head to like. It completely contain, is. Amen right? to that. The moment like, we think we can put God in a box <laughs> and figure him out, uh, we have a God of our own making. We have an right. idol, truly. Right. So right. because he's too big for us to figure out, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Uh, and that's uh, also, yeah. And that's where the faith and trust come in, right? Oh, you yes. know, because if we can figure it all out, which frankly, a lot of my friends listen to this show. We've tried to do like, we're kind of the mm -hmm, yeah. controllers and the oh, planners yeah. and right the, we like you. to know exactly what's ahead and how it's all going to work yeah. out. And well, and that's so big. <laughs> right. And, and for those of us that are control freaks and planners, I mean, we're going to have to, to bury that dream of, of thinking we can ever get to a place where we really do have it all figured out. We never will. And that's actually the beauty of it. Mm -hmm. because getting to a place where we know everything, I'm sorry, then what? It's boring, you know, mm -hmm. whereas the beauty is in the journey, is in the process and the destination, when the destination is God, that destination is above and beyond what we can imagine. Yeah. Even in heaven, we will keep on getting to know God more. Actually, it's um, my favorite verse in all of scripture. You know, when, when the Bible starts to really speak to you at a personal level through the spirit, you start having those verses that uh, speak to you, not because you've memorized them necessarily, even though that can be a very good practice. But I do believe going back to what you were saying, I think for people who grew up in the church, it's a whole different hurdle to overcome in order to start seeing the Bible as a delight and not as a chore, mm -hmm. because you, it has almost been ingrained in you that it's a chore. Yeah. you have to memorize it. And so yeah. you have to literally change your brain the way your brain is wired uh, to stop seeing the Bible as a chore and start seeing it as a delight. And that's part of the 
process that might take weeks and months for God to unravel all of this in your heart in order for you to move away from seeing it as a chore and start seeing it as truly a source of nourishment and delight. Uh, but when you do that, those Bible verses come to life. And then um, once in a while, there's one that just jumps at you so much. And for me, I think the essence of our relationship with God, the essence of our experiencing the Bible as God's love letter to us is found in Philippians 3.10. And that's where Paul tells us that after he overcame a lifetime of being a legalist and a Pharisee and where the Bible slash the law was a chore to him, right? I mean, it was the ultimate to-do list. He had all these commandments he had to obey. And he thought when he did, he would find freedom and he obeyed all of them and he found nothing but bondage and Mm -hmm. idolatry. So he's the living proof of moving away from a control freak attitude where the, um, the Bible of his day, you know, the Torah, became a chore to him and he had to move away from that in order to find freedom. And after he describes this early verses of Philippians 3, he says in Philippians 3.10, for my determined purpose is that I may know Christ Mm -hmm. and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship in his sufferings. And to know Christ, that's a very deep word. Um, In French, actually, it's interesting. One of the things we we love to do at Gospel Spice is that we move back and forth across cultures. Um, And we, I like to look at the Jewish culture or maybe the French culture and how that can bring just a different measure of spice to um, an American, largely an American audience. And so that word to know, in English, you have one word to know. Mm -hmm. In French, we actually have two words that you would translate both of them in English to know. And so there's about a thousand times in the Bible that your English word to know is found. Mm -hmm. Out of those thousand times or so, there's about 300 times where it is a French word, savoir, which you might be familiar with since you've taken French. Mm -hmm. Uh, You have an expression in English, savoir-faire, which Mm -hmm. is literally Mm know-how. So savoir from savoir-faire, it's to know how to do something. And that's a word you will find in the Old Testament, in the dusty, boring books, in Chronicles, for example. It's the historical dates that you're supposed to know. You know, you're supposed to know the kings. And you're, you know, so all of that loose chores of memorization, that's that word savoir. It's also a word you find in Proverbs because it has to do with practical application of like, it's one thing to know the kings and the dates, but what is that for? So there's an, an application element to it. So that's about 300 to knows in English. But then there's another 700 of them, which is a different French word. And it's the word connaître, which is not head knowledge or dates, but it's experience. Mm-hmm. It's when you experience something. It's when you taste it. It's when it actually becomes a part of you through an experience. Because uh, it's one thing to say that you have seen a documentary on Paris. It's another to live in Paris, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, if, if you see a documentary on Paris, you might say that you know Paris, but that's the fr- first French word. But if you live in Paris, then you're going to be using the second French word. You're experiencing Paris. And I've lived in Paris for many, many years, but it does not mean that I know everything there is to know about Mm -hmm. Paris, even though I've experienced it, even though I've even used that French word, connaître, because when I go back to Paris to visit my family, I still discover new things about Paris. And so it is with God. It's an ongoing experiential moment with him where we keep on growing in our knowledge, in our knowing of him. And obviously that's the word that Paul uses when he says in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ. Mm -hmm. 
connaître in French, which means it's this experiential ongoing process of getting to know him more and more so that it turns from pure head knowledge to heart knowing and a deep intimacy. And, um, you know, that's obviously that word connaître is the one that Paul uses 95% of the times mm -hmm. that he mentions knowing God or knowing Christ. Mm -hmm. It's that experiential knowledge. So it's to taste and to see, not just to read about God, but to take him in, to experience him like you would a bite of food that ultimately becomes a part of you. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's what the Bible is supposed to be. The Bible is not supposed to be about savoir. It's supposed to be about connaître. Yeah. So that's so uh, good. Yeah. That's so good. It makes me think of Westminster Catechism. What's the chief end of man Absolutely. to know God and make him known. And, and, and it's funny forever. and enjoy mm -hmm. it's, this fits so perfectly with an episode I did first of the year, which was thin is not your ultimate destination. Because I think, mm -hmm. you know, my story and a lot of the women I work with, a lot of the women listening or watching today, you know, we kind of get confused as yeah. to what the most important race is and like the diet culture and the racing yeah. to have a better body becomes our chief end. Yeah. And, and it's the wrong race. <laughs> it's, it it's the wrong race to try to win the race. The race is to know God and know him in that sav not the savoir, the say that other word. Connette. I'm going to put you yeah. Quinette. <laughs> well, actually it's interesting because connect comes from the Greek gnosko that actually gave your English to know. So okay. technically to know and connect are the same word. And if you saw mm -hmm. them written, you might, you might recognize that same root, but it's, it's absolutely, I absolutely agree with you. And, you know, yeah. culturally it's interesting because um, I tend to be, um, I have a, um, a more full bodied figure than I wish I did. Right. Mm -hmm. In our culture. And um, I used to look at paintings growing up in France where we have a lot of antique and you know obviously we we are a lot we have a lot of cultural background and, and histories of, of gorgeous paintings and the women a century or two ago used to, used to be more on the very uh, round side mm -hmm, of things right absolutely. and the, the models for beauty were very different so mm -hmm. so the question is with this thin culture is are we going to allow the culture to dictate mm -hmm. our identity or and knowing that the culture by definition changes, if you were born a hundred years ago, you would probably have very different standards for beauty than you do now. Or are you going to rely on the timelessness of scripture and to remember that the Bible transcends all the cultures, namely all of the standards of beauty, but it also transcends space, namely all of the changes of cultures that can mm -hmm. happen. And because God doesn't change and his word remains forever. And that's the kind of thing I want to build on, not the flimsy temporal culture that the West is dictating for me today. Right. right. That, yeah, that, like you said, changes. So in the 1940s and 50s, there were magazine ads mm -hmm. for weight gainers for women, mm -hmm. like ways go. for women to weight, gain weight. Like, can you imagine seeing that mm -hmm. <laughs> in an Instagram yeah. ad today? Yeah. Probably not going to get any clicks, right? But that wasn't that long ago. Well, mm -hmm. Stephanie, as we kind of head towards the end of our time, Give us something practical. Where, where does she get started? If her resolution this year is to get in the word. And yeah. I really think maybe the better resolution is the resolution is just know God, <laughs> right? Like yeah, that's, right? that's the resolution. Yeah. That should be everyone's resolution, but yeah. she needs, she needs to get in the word this year. Right. Yeah. Where does she start? So, oh, that, you know, and again, I, I, I understand that in some ways what I've been sharing is very frustrating because I have not given you very practical tips, but I think that, I mean, practical tips are only going to work as long as you are uh, applying them in the right context. And I think, so what I've been trying to do is give you more the context and then you decide for yourself what the practical tips are going to be. One for me that 
has been a game changer has been when several years ago, I decided what I call my no exception rule. Hmm. No matter what, I am going to get up early and study scripture, no matter what. So now I was able to make that decision because my kids were not so young that they would wake me up several times at night. So there's a disclaimer there for young mothers or people who just have a life where maybe they're caring for elderly people that wake them up several Mm -hmm. times at night. But if you have the luxury of a full night's sleep, then I would say there's always, you can always get up a little bit earlier. And that's not a duty. The last thing I want this to be is a form of bondage to, oh my goodness, that's one more thing on my to-do list. I think it's kind of the other way around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who on their to-do list has it to, you know, get dressed or brush their teeth? That's (laughs) normal. You, uh, unless you have depression and then it becomes a chore to you. If you are functioning normally, uh, you should not have on your to-do list, get dressed and brush your teeth unless you're five years old, or unless again, you have some um, circumstances that make it a chore. But if, if you're normally functioning, that should not be on your to-do list. Get to a place where reading your Bible is like brushing your teeth or getting dressed. Mm-hmm. And not because you have to, but well, I guess some days I do have to get dressed. I'd rather stay in my PJs, but by and large, I feel better and more equipped for my day when I got dressed mm-hmm. and brushed my teeth, right? Um, So start your day in your Bible. If it's only 10 minutes, if it's only 10 minutes, all of us can get up 10 minutes earlier, Mm -hmm. 10 minutes. If it means going to bed 10 minutes earlier at night and turning off that Netflix 10 minutes Mm -hmm. earlier, girl, it's worth it. It really is. Is it going to take discipline? Yes. Is it going to feel like it's painful and it's a price? Well, yeah, but isn't that the point? Don't you want to build towards the life that you want and get up 10 minutes early you're going to feel sleepy, put caffeine to work for the glory of God. I'm a huge proponent of a cup of coffee because it helps me. My Bible tastes of coffee. I mean, God to me tastes like coffee because he, I, I cannot have, you know, my early morning time with him without coffee. So uh, put caffeine to work to the glory of God and then settle down in your favorite chair before your house gets busy and spend 10 minutes looking for the beauty of God. And you're going to get distracted. Um, Mm -hmm. you're going to have all of the (laughs) thoughts of your day come to you, uh, those Mm -hmm. emails you need to write, that recipe you need to make for dinner, (laughs) those people you need to be calling, uh, that floor that definitely needs to get dusted. Mm -hmm. That's all going to come. Learn the discipline of brushing it aside and seek beauty. Our brains are wired to experience beauty. So the moment your quest is for beauty, which is the same thing as, you know, your quest for knowing the Lord, you're going to start training your brain, literally, physically, neurologically, training your brain to seek delight and beauty in your coffee cup and in the Bible. And I know from experience, it it takes a while, but you keep at it. That's the the one practical thing. Get up 10 minutes early, put on some coffee and get in the word and try to, and and slowly train your thoughts to not distract you. And when they do, that's fine. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But train yourself in yeah. spending those 10 minutes and, and you will find yourself before long increasing those 10 minutes. Cause you will start getting frustrated. They're not long enough those 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then, you know what, make it 15, make it 20. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to go from tasting that the Lord is good to a complete feast with him. Yeah. yeah I, I wrote in the burden of better that like, I never noticed my toenails length until I start to pray. And then all of a sudden, all I can think about is how long my toenails are and how I better mm-hmm. go clip my toenail. Like my toenails become and an right obsession. Now. Like right now, you have to <laughs> right, clip them right, right. now. Like I, oh, cause you feel it. Yeah. Oh, it's like, oh, they're driving me crazy. I've got to go. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it is real. laughable. It really is. So it's actually something you learn to laugh about because mm. you start identifying this as techniques, if not from your own brain and flesh, but maybe even from your the enemy of your soul right. to distract you. Right. And and you learn to laugh at it. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah my toenails. Of course, now is when I'm thinking of my right. toenails. Right. And yeah. all the things, right? Yep. And then you're going to forget to clip your toenails because they won't bother you all day until the next morning when you're <laughs> right. there again. And that's yep. when they bother you. There's the so, toenail problem. Yeah. And I'll, I'll be honest. So, you know, I think people have to find like the routine that works for them. And what mm, works right. for me Mm-hmm. is I don't even get out of bed. And that's because mm-hmm. my husband is already gone. Now, if he's home, mm-hmm. it messes up my whole mm-hmm. <laughs> rhythm. But, yeah. but most of the time, he's always up hours before I am. And I don't even get out of bed. I just turn my nightstand light on and I'm still kind of cozy and I read my Bible. And, and that way, it also protects me from children waking up and seeing that I'm downstairs and wanting to talk to me because I'm up and downstairs. Well, so they kind yes. they know if mom's still in a room, it's not time. And it's mom's it's mom's time with God. Yeah. It's not, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. not time to talk to yeah. mom. And so, you know, just in case anyone's watching or listening, you feel guilty, like, oh, I don't know if I can get up and do it or whatever. Oh, hey, my, you can, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't fall asleep. Like I, maybe there are some days where I'm like, I just want to go back to sleep. But for the most part, the habit is so established that I'm excited to get up in bed and I can still stay warm and cozy under my blankets. And that's the beauty of habits is that they do get ingrained, the good ones and the bad ones. So what you're trying to do is displace a bad habit and replace it with a good one. And the last thing I would want is for this to be a guilt trip for anyone who cannot get up early in the morning. And I'm not saying it's the only way, you know, we all have, we have to discover what works for us. And I was just sharing what works for me. But for years before that, it was the opposite. When my kids were too little, I would read my Bible at night because mm-hmm. there was always a moment where I would go to bed. I mean, yeah. hopefully, right? There's yeah, always a moment hopefully. where you go to bed. <laughs> and so that would be no matter how tired I was, I would try to read my Bible. I would fall asleep on it more often than not. Uh-huh. And that's okay. I mean, there are worse places to fall asleep <laughs> into than the Bible. But, you know, whatever works for you in your season yeah. of life. Uh, one thing I would say too is do not neglect spending time with the people who inspire you to do that because mm-hmm. this is not in um this is not an exercise done in isolation mm-hmm. so yes of course i think this is something you spend between you and the lord but uh, surround yourself with people who uh, are more passionate about god than you are because right. hopefully they're contagious in the good right. way i mean that word contagious is a dangerous one nowadays but uh, <laughs> i think you know to to be to be surrounded by people who are on fire for Jesus, who are spicy for Jesus. And so listening to your podcast is a great way to keep being reminded of staying grounded in scripture. And so just just keep doing that. Surround Mm -hmm. yourself with people in real life and in the online world and on the podcast where uh, you keep getting inspired because I fall, I, 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 you know, I fall short. I don't measure up. I never do. But then having others remind me to get back up is very helpful. So don't try to do this alone. That's good. Yeah. So just straight up, is there a person in your life? Just think about this. Is there a person in your life that will ask you, how's your time of the word going? Mm -hmm. Because that's, 
I mean, that's the kind of friends we need, right? Not, and again, like Stephanie said, not in a shame filled, like I'm going to bludgeon you if you say not good kind of way, but just some accountability. And that word has a negative connotation now, but it, it's so helpful if you have people surrounding you that understand the importance of spending time in the word. So yeah, I think yeah. That's, that's a really good tip. If you, yeah. If they do it for you, you do it for them too. Right. So that's where the accountability is both ways. Right. If you can find a sister who does that with you and for you, and you do it with her, it's, it's very precious. So you have a mm -hmm. podcast, Gospel Spice. Yeah. We do. We alternate in-depth Bible teachings with uh, spicy guests that have a God story to tell. And so um, this year we are starting a brand new season, actually, where we are looking at a series um, that actually takes us deep into not idolatry per se, but uh, the roots of sin and the consequences that it has on human relationships. And so it's probably one of the most in-depth series we've done so far. And we're going to be looking in particular um, at issues like human trafficking or racial reconciliation with our guests. And then also in the in-depth teaching, it's going to be the roots of sin. And that really kind of applies to idolatry too, because all of this is very much linked. And I think all forms of idolatry have consequences of human on human relationships. And right. so that is starting in, in January. Um, so that's what's happening on the Gospel Spice podcast. And um, if you want to go back, we've had some pretty exciting interviews with recently with uh, people like uh, uh, Sheila Walsh, Susie Larson, Oz Guinness, and they bring us kind of their own spice and their own flavoring of the gospel. So, uh, so that's it. what's happening on the Gospel Spice podcast. Love and it. Obviously, and you're welcome to come on over. Yeah, love it. I hope everyone will check it out and tell us where we find it. Every place podcasts are heard. Um, and yep. where, where can we connect with you? Tell us all the places. Yeah, sure. So easiest is gospelspice.com. Uh, and you'll have all the links to all the podcasts. And we also do Bible studies. Uh, we're actually, yeah, we do way more than just the podcast, but gospelspice.com. And then on social media, you'll find me on Facebook and on Instagram, both as my personal Stephanie Roussel and also Gospel Spice Life. Wonderful. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes. Mm -hmm. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today and helping us navigate this resolution of how we can be in the word in 2022. So thank you. Thank you so much, Heather. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. Compared to Who is part of the Spark Podcast Network that you can find on the Edify Podcast app. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, head over to edify.app or search for Edify app, E-D-I-F-I app in the Apple and Google Play stores. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the start here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, do you trust me? Because together 
we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.